If you'll turn with me and to where? <laughs> the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians, chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses uh, 18 and 19. Verses 18 and 19, and then we'll. F- Flip to Ephesians chapter 5. Colossians 3.18 Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Then over into Ephesians 5.22, excuse me, 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, Let each one of you be in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Before we look at God's word, let us seek his wisdom and guidance. Father, I thank you that for each of us here today who are your children, you have given us the Holy Spirit so that we could not only understand your word, but that through the grace of Christ, that that word can apply to us and transform us. And I just pray this morning as we 
look at your word, we may be guided by your spirit, that you will guide my thoughts and the receptions that the people have of the truth as it is given. And Lord, that you will uh, just uh, help us to rejoice in your perfect purpose and plans as you have laid them down in your word for us. Thank you, God the Spirit, that you are the teacher. And we submit ourselves to you and to your authority. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been looking at this <coughs> section in the third chapter. Remember, we started looking at the fact that there are 15 commands here and that our obedience to those commands is relational. It comes out of love. Jesus said, if you keep on loving me, you will keep my commandments. And then we looked at the first commandment and uh, it's... Uh, it, I entitled it finding fellowship with Christ and we the command there is to keep on seeking Christ keep on seeking Christ and one of the things that we as God's people have to do is remember that this is what we should be doing every day day by day seeking Christ and then we seek him to understand his majesty and his authority as he sits at the right hand of God as the God-man, as we sang in the hymn, the lamb that was slain. And then in verses 2 to 4, we looked at fix your focus properly. Uh, we talked about setting your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. Uh, we have to live on this earth, but we don't set our affections on the things of this earth. Um, I don't know anybody who's taken much with them when they died, except the fact that they left all this behind and there's no more pain or sorrow and uh, those who are God's children are rejoicing in his presence and praising him. So let's fix our, uh, our minds and have a mindset on heavenly things. Then we looked at the third command and it says, flee your former sins. We are not to continue in the life habits that we used to live before we came to know Christ. Our life must be changed and being changed, it must be totally different than it was. And then he gave us the next command, and I called it forsaking the following. And he gave us a list of things that we should set aside and not deal with anymore in our lives, such as anger. Uh, I know none of you have any problems with that. <laughs> but uh, uh, we have to set aside anger and malice and he has a whole list of things there that we must uh, forsake as people of God and then in verses 9 through 11 we looked at the fifth command and I entitled that free yourself from a foul tongue and we have to watch how we use our tongue isn't 
We have to be so careful. James warns us, he says, the tongue is a small thing, but it sure can cause a forest fire. And I know many churches that have had forest fires because of the bad use of tongues. I mean, not the the instrument here. <laughs> and uh, uh, I I uh, I believe that a godly church is a one whose people have their tongues under control. And then the sixth one we looked at was what I called the formal frock wars. And that in verse ten he says that we we are a new man. We have been created a new man. We're we're something that we were not before. We are a new man. And he says, now put on the garments. Put back on those old dirty garments. Put on the put on the frocks that God has provided for you in Christ Jesus. And so we we have to change our whole uh, character and way of living. And then we looked at that seventh command. It's in the uh, uh, latter part of the 15th verse. It's full provision fires up gratitude. Full provision fires up gratitude. And we as believers should live with the attitude of gratitude. Are you living with the attitude of gratitude? Are you thankful when the roof falls in? Thank you, God. That's pretty hard, isn't it? But if we're living in an attitude of gratitude and we realize all that God has done for us as the children of God, no matter how deep the pit seems, we will always be able to praise God. And then we looked at verses 16 and 17 with the Eighth Commandment, which I called, Fill up your... Fill up with fruitfulness. Fill up with fruitfulness and uh, one of the one of the things that he says that we need to know to fill up with fruitfulness is the word of God he says let the word of Christ dwell in you abundantly in all expertise and uh, uh, you may say to yourself well I can't be an expert in the word of God Is that true? Do you have the author of the book inside of you? Can he teach you? You see, you can be an expert, but what you, what you have to do is let the word of God dwell in you in abundance. You have to be people who are desiring the word of God and then we tie that together with the passage in Ephesians where he says be under the control of the spirit and the spirit and the word working together make us students of the word of God who rightly divide the word of truth and uh, 
That's vital for us because we're living in a time, and I'll be talking about this a little bit, uh, that uh, dividing the word of truth has to do with how you feel about things. And, uh, and uh, we are told that we need to divide the word of truth according to truth. And uh, I just quoted a, a line from a, a hymn to Leanne. Uh, Cowper wrote the hymn, and one of the lines in it, it says, God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. So if we're abiding in Christ, abiding in the word, the truth, the truth becomes plain to us. And that's vital in the part. So uh, we'll begin moving on today. And uh, uh, we're going to look at, I've, I've kind of bundled all the commands that follow. There are six of them under one heading. And that's verses 18 through 25 which I called Forging Favorable Relationships. Forging Favorable Relationships. And today we'll be looking at verses, or we'll start looking at verses 18 and 19, which I call, uh, and have entitled, Marital Harmony. Marital Harmony. Boy, it's hard to find that today, isn't it? Marital harmony. Uh, and there's a recipe for marital harmony laid down in those two verses. And so we'll be looking at them and looking at them in quite detail. Uh, today, I want to begin by looking at the first command. And we find that in verse 18. In verse 18... It reads, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And oh, I've entitled this, Accepting Christ's Order. Accepting Christ's Order. Christ has established an order because God is a God of orderliness. And it's important for us to understand that God, as a God of order, has also ordered everything that is necessary for us to have godly families, godly church, and live godly in an ungodly world. And uh, sometimes, sometimes we have to be careful that the ungodly world doesn't control us rather than we being controlled by the principles of the Word of God. And this becomes vital and important to us. So we're going to look at uh, accepting Christ's order. Uh, we're going to be looking at three passages to deal with this uh, 18th verse. We'll be looking at Colossians uh, 3.18 and then we'll be looking at Ephesians and then we'll be looking at First Peter because I think they all tie this whole principle together. But before we begin the study of the texts, um, I want to clear up some misconceptions. I, I uh, have noticed 
and it's been my observation. I've been around for a couple weeks, and uh, uh, I notice one of the things that's happening in the church is that we have changed God's order for women, and we have made them the rulers in the home and in the church rather than God's order. Uh, you, if you look, begin, it started in, oh, the early mid-70s, and ever since that, it's just been a bloated thing. And people read these uh, uh, passages, and all kinds of books are written on them, and, and you find these phrases that uh, say, well, you know, the problem is that Paul was a male chauvinist. And as a male chauvinist, this is what he had to write. And you could tell he was a male chauvinist. How? Because he never got married. He hated women. You see? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether Paul was married or not. But uh, uh, I know that uh, uh, he didn't hate women. Because if you look at the scriptures, you will find that... Uh, 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 Paul gives high accolades to women and their work and what they do and he honors them as godly women and uh, uh, that's something that has permeated the church it is, it is controlling the mental thinking I read a book that said you know why Peter wrote that because he never got along with his wife and because he couldn't get along with his wife, he hated all women. Ah, okay. <laughs> Why did he take his wife with him when he traveled? <laughs> if he didn't get along with her, maybe keep an eye on her, I don't know. Uh, uh, but let me, let me give you what to me is probably the first but the conclusive answer to this whole problem. Everybody who is caught up in this and writes these kind of things do not believe in the inspiration of Scripture. See, that's where the problem is. That's the key problem. They do not believe in the inspiration of Scripture. And, of course, what they do is, because they don't believe in the inspiration of Scripture, they take it and twist it, like Peter says, they rest it to their own destruction, but they also rest it to the destruction of the family. And we see in a society that we're living in that the family has almost been totally a family concept. And uh, uh, so uh, that all comes and takes hold in the church because the church hasn't accepted the inspiration of Scripture. And we believe that God, by the Holy Spirit, directed the writing of all the Scriptures. All the Scriptures are inspired by God and they are God's word and God's word is like God himself it can't be changed 
It can't be changed. And so it's vital and important for us to uh, understand that. Now, I want to settle the question once and for all and kind of save Paul's life, okay? Or reputation, I should say. Turn with me to Genesis 3.16. Genesis 3.16. It says, To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow. By the way, the he there is God. God said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Literal translation of that is, he shall have leadership and authority over you. Now, when you stop and think about that, uh, uh, I, I, have, I have heard all kinds of discussions on that passage and uh, often, often that passage, everybody gets stuck on that word in the previous phrase, desire, and they do try to, what, what does desire mean here? Does it, does it mean that she wants to rule him, or does it mean that uh, 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 she, she's just longing for him and can hardly wait to get hold of him, or, uh, or what? And uh, it's very difficult because this word is only used three times in the Old Testament. It's used in Genesis 4, 7, where uh, uh, God is speaking to Cain and speaking about sin. And he says, sin desires to control you. And that's in a negative sense. And so people pick that up and say, well, that's what God's talking about here. And then there are those who say, oh, no, look at Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 10. It says, my beloved desires me. So that's good. So, so the battle goes on. And I'm not going to tell you which it is because... I'm not sure, but the reason I point that out is that many of those who argue the interpretation of that word use it to deal with this last phrase. But this last phrase is straightforward. You, don't, you can't argue with it. It says, where the husband is going to stand in relationship to his wife. He is going to be the authority over his wife. And we, we live in a, a very strange time, even in the church, where these things are no longer accepted and taught. And the reason I point this out is this does not, does it not, does it not 
vindicate Paul and Peter because all they're doing is quoting what God had said. They didn't make up something that they wanted because of who they were. They were communicating God's message. And we have to understand that. And then just one more thing in this whole malaise. Uh, somebody back about uh, five, six years ago handed me a book that was about half inch thick. And uh, they, they took the passage from Ephesians that we'll be looking at. But I just want to take a quick look at it right now. Uh, it says uh, in Ephesians uh, 5, 21 and 22, placing yourselves in an orderly fashion to one another in the sphere of reference of belonging to God, the wives to one's own husband in the manner as the Lord. And this person takes the phrase and says, notice many of your Bibles have submit in italics. That's because it's not in the original. And based on that, he writes this whole book that women don't need to be subject to their husbands. Marriage should be two people individually living together. I don't know how you do that when you read the rest of <laughs> Ephesians 5, but uh, 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 the person that gave me this book was having trouble because their marriage was based on the counseling that the pastor gave them from this book. And so they were two individuals living together. And that's not what God has prescribed. He says the two shall become individuals, right? No, one flesh, one flesh. And so this is vital and important. So uh, I think we realize that the grammar there is typical in Greek that you don't repeat the word verb often you just carry on your thought with like an also or something and you don't repeat the verb so it's only logical that with the submit is there and that's why it's put there in italics because it's understood to be there and I think that's important now um My concern, and I want to be honest with you, is that I'm going to take time on this because I think the church knowingly or unknowingly has been permeated with this concept. That nobody has to be under anybody's authority. We're all free. We can all do what we want. Husband can go this way, wife can go that way. It's fine. Doesn't matter. Uh, as Paul says in Philippians, that's all dung. And uh, uh, I think it's important. Now, let me tell you one thing that these verses are not saying. 
They are not saying, men, make your wives submit to you. The verse, the words are written to who? Wives. Wives. This is the responsibility of wives. Not the responsibility of husbands. And many, even in the church, think it's their responsibility to make sure that their wife's doing what they told them. i got to keep them strutting out, you know. And uh, uh, that's, that's not what this verse is saying. The verse is saying, Wives, follow God's orders and wait. And we'll talk about how that happens as we go through it. So let us begin looking at the text then. That was a rather long introduction, but uh, uh, I think it's important in the time we live. And uh, uh, see what the texts are saying. Let's look at Colossians first. In Colossians 3, the Reader's Digest condensed version. And then we'll go on to the expanded version in Ephesians. Verse 18. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Or literally translated, wives, be under in orderly fashion, and that's a command, to one's own husband in what manner it has always continued being proper in the sphere of the Lord. Now, let me just say here that if if this fellow was writing the book, he should have read Colossians first because the word submits right in there. And uh, that word submit, by the way, is a military term. And uh, it has the idea of being under in order. In other words, the private doesn't go to general and say, I'll take over. You don't know what you're doing. I'll, I'll run the show. He says, you, you all have your rank. You fit in your rank. And uh, in, in the Ephesians passage, we saw that's how he started. Everybody in the church has a rank and you all fit in the rank. And you do what God has gifted to you to do in the body. And this is the same way in in the family. To have marital harmony, you have to follow God's order. You have to follow God's order. And as I said earlier, God is a God of order. Everything is done in order. And we have to understand that there's even order in the Trinity. Each member of the Trinity functions in his order. So, the command here, then, uh, wives, be under in orderly fashion to your own husband. And uh, I want you to notice one thing. This does not, did you get that word? Does not give wives an option. This does not give wives an option. What do I mean by that? Well, what if the husband is a slouch and he doesn't fulfill his uh, uh, 
responsibilities as the head of the house. What does the wife say? Well, if he's not going to do it, I'm going to take over and do it. I'll run this home. I can do it. Now, what's that? It's two things. It's operating in the flesh, which is sin. And it's sin because you're disobeying God. God, God didn't give any options. He just said, wives, be submitted to your husbands, period. That's all. Nothing else. And that's why I said earlier, husbands, it's none of your business. It's between the wife and the husband. And uh, uh, as we'll see, uh, God has commanded. And uh, when we get into the responsibilities, if if I had the Lord wills and I have again the man's part is a lot harder than the woman's he's got a big job he's got a big job and if he's not functioning in his order there's no marital harmony there's no marital harmony so I think we have to uh, understand that and and notice secondly here that the submission is to her own husband, not to all men, to her own husband. You can trace that word there. That's it's not the word man for anthropos, but it can be translated uh, man to your own man, to your own man, not, not no other man, just to your own man, and uh, uh, we don't. We don't rule anybody else's wife. And the wives don't have to submit to anybody but their own husbands. And I think this is important. Uh, the submission must be there. And if, if the husband and wife don't fulfill the roles that are given to them in Scripture, there will be no marital harmony it's impossible it's impossible everybody has to function according to the word and purposes and the work of the spirit and the word in the lives of both husband and wife then if you look at the verse he explains why this must be why is it that this has to be he says, this is the way it's always been to those who see Christ as their master. It's always been this way. And so that's the way we operate because of our love and respect for Jesus Christ. You see, he is the one that we follow, not the hundreds of thousands of books that are worth nothing. We follow him and his word through the spirit and be the kind of family that God intended us to be in. We'll see that as we go on in this passage. In other words, we are to live in such a way as to please God. So let us move now from the condensed version to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22. 
Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22 through 24 where we have the expanded version. And what I'm going to do, and I want you to follow in your scriptures, is I'm going to read my own translation. It says, the wives, and understood as I said earlier, be under in an orderly fashion, and again that's the command, to one's own husband, in a manner as to the Lord, because the husband exists, the uppermost of the wife in the manner that the Christ is uppermost belonging to the called out ones or the congregation existing as their deliverer or preserver belonging to the body. Therefore, in the manner the called out or the congregation is putting itself under Christ in an orderly fashion, in this manner, the wives to one's own husband in the spear of all. Most of your scriptures probably have all things. The word things isn't in, in, in the original. It's just all. In all. Everything. All. And so, it, it's important here. Uh, and again, as I uh, pointed out earlier, it's connected with verse uh, 21, uh, where it says, Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Actually, the literal translation there is, Submitting yourselves to one another. And so, what... What he is saying here is that the wife must be submitting herself. And that's why I said it's not your job, Ben. That's her job. The wife must submit herself to her own husband. And uh, I think it's important. <clears throat> now, I want you to know, notice in, in this whole section again that the obedience here and and the wife submitting is relational as as we are submitted to Christ in that same manner she is to be submitted to her husband and that means that the wife the wife needs to be submitted to Christ before she can be submitted to her husband. You see, it's impossible. It's impossible <clears throat> for a wife to do it in her own strength. She has to do it out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we go back to verse 1. Keep on seeking Christ. Keep on seeking Christ. And if you keep on seeking Christ, you'll do things in Christ's way. And so it becomes vital and order and important here. Then he explains to us how it works. He says, because Christ is the uppermost in the, to the church, 
So the husband is uppermost, or he's the top. Uh, let me use worldly expression here. Uh, Christ is the top dog, top, dog, top dog in the church, and the husband is the top dog in the home. They, they are the head. They operate things. It's their responsibility. Now, what if the husband doesn't accept his responsibility as the head? Does that give the wife the option to take over? That option is not given in the scripture. That option is not given in the scripture. The responsibility then lies upon the husband for not obeying Christ. And what does that produce? What does that produce? A home in shambles. You see, it's vital that both the husband and wife to fulfill marital harmony be walking in the Word and the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit. Being filled with the Word and being controlled by the Spirit. That's the way our lives should operate. And if I as a husband and my wife as a wife are walking with the Lord, we will fulfill those responsibilities the way God wants them to. And so, what causes the big problem then? In homes, in marriages. Because if you look around, you see in a lot of Christian marriages, the women run the home. They run everything. And uh, there are certain areas, you know, where a husband can delegate responsibilities to his wife, and that's okay. But he's still in charge. It's like when I was married, <laughs> was, uh, uh, my wife was great in finances. She worked in banks. Why should I worry about money? <laughs> I said, honey, you take care of it. You take care of it. Because that's where she had the gift and the grace, and, and she was happy to do that. But she did it always under my authority, you see. And uh, so the husband must do his job and the woman must do her job for marital success. And uh, we, we have to realize that the, just like, and, and this is the whole argument here, just like Christ is in charge of the church, by the way, that's the problem in the church today. Christ is not in charge of the church anymore. And what is the church? What's happened to the church? It's gone in shambles. It is an unbelieving church. It does not follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, and just like Christ is the head of the church, and when Christ is the head of the church, everything runs the way it's supposed to run. And he says, by the way, that's the way it should be in your home, in your marriage. 
If the husband's the head and the wife is submitting to her husband, then all's fine. If it isn't, it's going to be just like it is in the church. It's going to be nothing but chaos and trouble. And let me ask you, is this, what picture do you see in homes today, even amongst so-called Christians? Is it Christian homes in the shambles? Going the wrong way? Or is it homes that are living under the authority of Christ? And I think it's the first myself as I look at the homes. Now, <clears throat> I want to quick, quickly, if you'll turn with me over to First Peter. Before our time runs out, we'll get into First Peter. First Peter chapter 3. We're looking at the first six verses. Now, <clears throat> I've got two reasons for taking us to First Peter. And the first is to show that the apostolic teaching was the same for everybody. They didn't change. Peter didn't teach one thing and Paul didn't teach another. They all taught the same thing. They weren't always at the same level of understanding, but they always taught the same thing. Why? Because they were guided by the Spirit and what they wrote and what they taught, you see. And they walked by the Word and the Spirit. And those two things come together. And the second reason is, it's interesting here to look at the different emphasis and illustrations that Peter uses different than Paul. To see, they're saying the same thing, but just saying it in a different way. And I think that's vital and important. Now, I'm going to do what I normally do. You follow in your Bibles, and I'll read my literal translation here. In the same manner, the wives continue being under an orderly fashion to the husband of yours in order that if any are disobedient to the intelligent communication. By the way, if you weren't at prayer meeting, I was pointing out in prayer meeting that the word logos is the word for intelligent communication. And when Jesus came, he came as the intelligent communication of God. He knew exactly what God wanted him to say. Also, without the help, notice this, he says, without the help of intelligent communication, you're, 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 you're going to be able to win your wife without intelligent communication. And we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. It's also without the help of intelligent communication, maybe one through the conduct of their wives as they have been contemplating your conduct free from defilement in the sphere of respect whose regular disposition must not exist. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting phrase. 
whose regular disposition must not exist. In other words, you got to be different than you were when you came to Christ. And by the way, that's a command. In braiding ornament of the hair, also adorning gold, that adorning gold, that refers to gold chains around the neck or gold bracelets on the arm, or putting on the garments, that is dressing up real pretty, and uh, but to the contrary, the secret person belonging to the heart in the sphere of the non-corruptible of the gentleness also a spirit undisturbed from without boy that's a that's a pretty powerful statement we'll look at that in a minute which exists in the presence of god very expensive or costly because in this manner aforetime the set apart wives also the expecting with desire upon God always continued in the past in the adorning themselves under in an orderly fashion toward their own husbands in the manner in the same manner Sarah had obeyed Abraham calling him master whose daughters you are had excuse me whose daughters you had become doing good also not being fearful with terror now let me just point out some things quickly here because our time is running he says in the same manner what is he referring to if you look at chapter uh, 2 verse 25 it says for you were like sheep going astray but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls and he says in the same manner the wife must return and be under her husband because he's the shepherd of her soul the preserver of her soul and we'll see this as we look at the husband's responsibility. It will. It, uh, uh, um, Paul makes that very clean, clear. So, women, what he's saying is, get back where you belong. Get back where you belong, under the authority of your husband. And now he gives the purpose for that action. He says, so that if any are unbelievers. And in, in the original, the if clause there is, which they are, that is, they're disobedient to the truth. He says, uh, you be, may be used as an instrument to win them to Christ. You may be used as an instrument to win them to Christ. And... Uh, uh, he, he goes on and explains how this works. Uh, <clears throat> he says, the 
wife, whether her husband is a Christian or not, will be affected by the way his wife responds to situations. You notice he says she's not going to be disturbed. If things aren't going her way, she's not going to say, I want it this way. You know, uh, she's just going to go on. And uh, the uh, wife doesn't go around singing the old song, you know, I did it my way. She, she, she is going to live and show that she has a changed heart by the way she acts. You see? The way she acts will demonstrate what God has done in her and the fact that it demonstrates what God has done with her is, will be a testimony to her husband, whether he's a believer or unbeliever. You see, he's going to see that there's something in my wife that's different. She is godly. And she's doing what God wants her to do. And she doesn't get upset if she doesn't get her own way. And so that'll speak to her. And uh, he says, uh, uh, don't worry about outward appearance. It's the heart that counts. It's the heart that counts and what comes out. And uh, uh, he goes on and says that uh, you can only do this if you exist in the presence of God. You're doing it for God. You're doing it for God. And how do you do it for God? And exist in the presence of God? By the Word and the Spirit. See how all of these things all tie together? And, uh, uh, and then what he does, finally, is to drive home the point. He points out two things. First of all, this is the way it's always been. That's the way it was in the past. All godly women who have been set apart by God did this. They submitted to their husbands and did what their husbands asked them to do. As long as it wasn't against the word of God. Okay? And then he finally ends it up with the illustration of Sarah. And uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what he's alluding to, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was alluding to the two instances where uh, Abraham told Sarah, uh, just, just tell him you're my sister, you know, just so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> you know. But uh, 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 he said, whatever Abraham said, she said, yes, master, I will do it. Yes, Master, I will do it. And uh, I think it's important for us to uh, understand that uh, women, God has given you the greatest thing that you could ever want in your home. And that's someone who's going to have to answer to God for the way it's run. <laughs> and all you have to do is submit to Him. Submit to Him. And we'll see. 
if the Lord allows and allows me to speak again, how the husband's role is so powerful and so demanding. But the woman must first of all, first of all, submit to God's ordained role for her as a wife. That's the beginning of marital harmony. Well, gentlemen, I would like to have given it to you this morning too, but time has run out, so I won't. But women, may I encourage you that everything you need to be a godly woman and a godly wife and a godly parent you already have in the Word and the Spirit. All you have to do is fill yourself with the Word. Let the Spirit control you and abide in Christ. Isn't that sufficient for all things we need? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that in your wisdom you have established an order that will produce marital harmony and not only marital harmony but harmony with you because we have done things the way you have demanded the way you have told us and you will be honored in all things thank you thank you father for the great grace that's ours in Jesus Christ and for the ability not only to understand, but to do that which we've been called to do. Help us to live as people who are people of praise by the way we live. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.